Welcome to Season 6 of the Do More Good podcast, a selection of interviews with the movers and shakers from the third sector and beyond, telling the stories of people doing more good. I'm James, fundraiser at Blood Cancer UK, Marie Curie and now a Sue Rider. I'm also treasurer of the events fundraising group of the CIOF and Bexley Cross Country Champion 1994. And I'm Kenneth, proud fundraiser from my time working for Alzheimer's Research UK, now the charities lead at London Marathon events where I get to work with thousands of brilliant and amazing charities, father of three football-obsessed children and co-host of the Do More Good podcast. You're listening to the Do More Good podcast. The Do More Good podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good podcast. Do More Good Good, do more. Do more good podcast. Do more good podcast. That's what you want me to say. Yeah. You're okay. listening to the Do More Good podcast. Right, here we are, James, back again for another Do More Good podcast episode. It's episode 96. How are you doing? I'm very well, Kenneth. Very well. Summer has firmly hit South London and uh, we're both enjoying that, aren't we? You look very well. Yeah, you look like you've got a bit of a few sweat marks under that T-shirt, or is that <laughs> just nerves? The usual, the usual pre-match nerves. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, no sooner was I back from Scotland. Mm-hmm. I was off to Wales. I'm doing a bit of a British Isles tour. We're off to Ireland later in the year as well. So we're doing ticking it all off. Yeah, of course, because you were Scotland in the last episode that we put out. Then we had the Scottish yeah. fundraising conference, and then. You've been to Wales? Yeah. It was a sort of, um, no, this was a singing competition. Uh, but don't worry, it was not. Go on, go on, was, give us, it wasn't give us a blast. Me. It wasn't me. This is my daughter who sings. Uh, so we went, we drove to Wales and back for six minutes worth of singing, uh, which feels like wow. quite a long way to go for, you know, spent a couple of days out there. Brilliant. In the Heights, she's already surpassed my level of fame by getting onto Welsh TV. So she had a little, little bit on there. They came forth. Brilliant. in the country it's pretty good oh. going it was, all, it was all good and then and then yeah we spent a couple of days in sunny wales and then and then came back yeah nice i know the weather's been the weather's been fantastic wow that's that's a brilliant achievement though isn't it fourth because you said i think we spoke didn't we you said it was a like a national choir competition yeah i bet there were some serious contenders there some wasn't there? serious yeah but i don't know if you've seen the movie nativity but it's very similar to that. So like the it? posh, all the posh private schools were there, oh. and then this inner city comp little oh. scallies all turn up, <laughs> chuck them out of a minibus, and they came forth. So well done, oh. them. Well no, done. that that is amazing. How about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, well, I was saying just before we started recording, I've been uh, swimming in the river this evening. Picked up my kids from school and went down to the river on our bikes with all the gear. Dad's there with like his panniers. I look like a real dad, like carrying everything. <laughs> They're just like bombing it across in front uh, and had a little swim in the river. But yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm OK. I'm OK. Yeah. Still kind of still kind of on the hunt for the for the next big thing that's going to be the next step in my career uh, as yeah. I said yes last time so kind of been out of work now or left London Marathon probably six eight weeks ago now yeah it's exciting though I'm loving the space right like I, I'm, I'm so conscious that I'm in a really lucky position where I can have a bit of a time gap between leaving one role and starting the next one and just yeah. having that time to kind of reflect you know reconnect with with people yeah I've still been having the calls I mean I've got I think I've got another six calls tomorrow and did I tell you about this so you know I put yes, that link yes in. yes yeah so yeah so I'll be going past 120 calls very soon which is good but... you're still finding time to to surf the zeitgeist as well because wild swimming is very on trend <laughs> it's very on trend like, yeah I, I see it all over the Instagram it's the oh. thing to do 
I need to do that then, don't I? I need to post some of the pictures, uh, although yeah. I was nearly drowning for the majority of it. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think, think that's it... the thing of Instagram, isn't it? You can pose them perfectly. Oh, that's it. Exactly. The seaweed out of the, yeah. I need to be getting it's on that. But no, it's been fun. I mean, especially at the moment, right? I'm thankful to have some air conditioning. Just loving it, loving it at the moment. But look, we've got a great guest today. And before we get into on to introducing her, I wanted to ask you, James, whether you've ever volunteered for anything abroad. Well, Kenneth, I think you've set me up with this one because you know full well, as do many people that that know me, that I've had four addresses in my life and they have all been in the same postcode. All right. I have not got the wanderlust at all. I did go to West London once. It was nice. It was all right. I went for the afternoon. It was good. Yeah. You know, came back. It was all right. But no, I have not volunteered abroad. I do do some kind of mentoring, volunteering stuff. Um, I've been paired up with a, a young scallywag, a real menace to society. And just trying to keep him on the straight and narrow, give him a project to focus on. And you're doing really well. You're doing really well with that. <laughs> That's my volunteering at the moment. But, uh, but no, I've not not really done anything abroad. Have you? I I haven't to the extreme of our, our guest that we'll, we'll come on to in a moment. But I did take a gap year out from, from after university. And, and my, my wife, who's my girlfriend at the time, went away traveling around the world, oh. as a lot of people did back in those days. And we went to Laos. Yeah, had a great time, like, you know, backpacking around. And then one day we went on this kind of excursion, which was which was ferrying down a beautiful, I think the Mekong River in, in some canoes. And the tour guide, as we were sitting down at the end, he said, oh, we're sitting around the bar having a, having a drink. He said at the end, would, would you come and teach in English in um, my school in my village tomorrow? And I was like, looked at my wife and looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> yeah, OK. And my wife knows my English is not great. Like I would even put it is it's not my first language. But I said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. So we met him the next day, jumped on the back of these motorcycles and my wife jumped on one, I jumped on the other. And we were on these motorcycles for about an hour and a half outside of this village to God knows where we were. I don't even know where we were, but we went into the school and it was absolutely amazing. And there was, there was 50 odd kids that sat there. I had to stand up at the front and try and teach some English. So of course I started going with the basics of the alphabet. But much to my dismay and to, that my wife clearly dines out on this story afterwards is that I actually said the alphabet wrong um, and that my English <laughs> teaching wasn't at the level that they'd come to um, come to expect. So, yeah, I didn't last oh. long, but we had some dinner afterwards. It was a great experience and uh, I wasn't invited back. I love um, the thought of you wooing your I know. then girlfriend be like yeah of course I can teach them and there's these 50 kids somewhere in the world that have just got this Geordie accent now Geordie uh... <laughs> accent with a couple of letters missing out of the alphabet <laughs> right. yeah like that so yeah well, so that was my story but no I've never done it to to, to, to the level of, of what we will hopefully talk a little bit more about today but maybe I should maybe there's still time maybe there's still time looking for that right. new career Exactly. Look, let's come on to interview our guest who's patiently waiting. When this email arrived in the inbox, we were like, that sounds so cool. What an, an amazing journey and experience. And just, I, th- I guess, everything about what, what the podcast is about, isn't it? About m- amazing individuals just kind of doing more good. So good story. After- it is a good story. And look, I'll go on the intro. So after completing her degree in psychology, our guest wanted to spend a year volunteering abroad before commencing her career although not having fully conceptualised what her career should look like. 
This is when she first learned about the uncertain practices and disorganization in the volunteering sector. She then went on to complete her postgraduate study in nursing, stumbling upon the same issues again when she wanted to volunteer abroad using her nursing skills. From those experiences, the idea of Indigo Volunteers was born, and Indigo has been placing thousands of volunteers to grassroots projects around the world, going from strength to strength ever since. In the last five years, our guest has lived in mainland Greece, in Serbia and Bosnia, and the refugee hotspot of the Greek island, Samos. To date, the organisation has placed over 3,000 volunteers with their partners, currently supporting 48 charities who provide aid, healthcare, education, skills workshops and other vital services to the tens of thousands of refugees who live in informal settlements across Europe's migratory route. Over the last year, our guest has been running Indigo alongside being a new mum, experiencing the interesting challenges that go hand in hand with starting a new charity and starting a new life. So we're really pleased to welcome Holly Penalva to the Do More Good podcast. Hello, Holly. How are you? I'm so good. And I'm so glad I was on mute because I was laughing so much at your intro. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into the alphabet at the end. Yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll give that a go. Yeah. The podcast could be like a com- comical, do you stand up or something? Oh, don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't encourage us. Oh, God. We, That's the worst thing you could do. James has had yeah. a story of stand up. I, I, yeah. I often think James should do stand up. He's, mm-hmm. very, he's very good. He's very good. Um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do that one day. I've, well, Holly, have you ever done uh, wild swimming to get us back on track? Absolutely not. No, um, I, I'm from the seaside as well. I'm from um, Clacton Sea in Essex. So I and I live like a two minute walk from the sea. Absolutely. No, thank you. Right. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, I wonder if we, whether we can somehow combine the two. With Kenneth, there's a bit of wild swimming and I'll provide some commentary to it as we, as we go. I, I do like adventures as well. So I, if, I would do it as a challenge, but I wouldn't do it as a fun hobby of an evening. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. We'll take that. Look, Holly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for, for your time. And uh, as we heard there in the introduction, I think a really interesting story that we're, we're looking forward to delving into. Just want to go back to the start, I guess, like most podcasts do. You know, you're in university, you're studying a psychology degree. You, the idea for Indigo came from some, somewhere. Can you just tell us what's, what's the backstory into to, to volunteering abroad and, and going on the journey that you have? Yeah, sure. When I finished my degree in psychology, I, I wanted to do the, 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 the gap year thing like many people did. And I thought, oh, gosh, I'd absolutely love to volunteer um, uh, and, and do something good with my time rather than just travel. I wanted to travel with a purpose and, and do, yeah, just do something valuable with my time. And then I came across all these websites that were like, yeah, you can come with us for £3,000. And I was like, whoa, okay, hold on a moment. Not only is that an extortionate amount of money to volunteer, what I was reading was really concerning me. Like it was, like you say, (laughs) teaching in a class when you're 18 years old without any teaching uh, qualifications (laughs) or doing things where people really... I got a great sense that it wasn't the community necessarily asking for this, but it was organizations making money for profit out of volunteers. Mm. And that's why they were doing these placements. And I thought that's when the idea of Indigo first came about. I thought, gosh, there must be a better platform out there. So I researched and I researched and it didn't exist. So I ended up um, just traveling. And every time I spoke with people um, this topic came up about volunteering and people either said yeah I really wanted to do it but I couldn't afford it or they said 
oh I did and I had a bit of a dodgy experience and or I, I love this part but I this part really concerned me you know the sustainability or was it what the community needed so the more I got into it I yeah was finding that local teachers were actually being replaced by volunteers so there were people in the communities actually losing their jobs over these volunteers coming in and then not benefiting of course from it and then children having a constant turnover of volunteers that weren't necessarily qualified now I am generalizing there are some placements that are obviously good and some companies that are a little bit more ethical than others but on the whole I haven't found one that's anything like what we do at Indigo so um, yeah that's where the idea came about it's an ethical responsible volunteering platform which is um we we find out from the charities themselves what they need and we don't dictate anything we never say hey you're having this volunteer and we're making money from them it's completely free and the charities we support uh which is over 50 now we've, we've upped the numbers since the <laughs> since then they tell us their needs and then we we match make we do a matchmaking service for them Wow. Okay. But before all of this, before it really got off the ground, you were still working as a, a full time as a nurse. And it was yeah. just this spark of an idea. Like you, exactly. as you were traveling around, you were thinking about it. But there's this idea in the back of your head. The idea is in the back of my head, like you say. And then I didn't know what to do career wise. And I, I just knew that like so many of my friends were going off and doing these graduate placements in big corporates and it just wasn't wasn't for me and I thought maybe I should just be a waitress my whole life because at least I get to speak to people and I don't know I just really like that part of it and then I got a job as a PA uh, for uh, a lady who ran uh, six hospitals some six private hospitals in London and she was a really senior nurse and then I got to tour these hospitals I was like oh god nursing is so fantastic as a as a career and I just remember seeing so many things I thought gosh I wish I could help with that situation I wish I'm sure as a nurse that I could have helped and then I think my dad had a little stint in hospital and he said oh you know I've asked these nurses three or four times now if I could be moved to the window when there's a window bed available and everyone keeps forgetting I thought I know I wouldn't forget that I would write it down I wouldn't forget so I just thought oh maybe this is for me so then I went back to uni after vowing never to go back to uni I was like done with it I'm done with studying but of course I had to go back and do a postgraduate uh, in children's nursing mm. and then the exact same thing happened in our final year you can do a month abroad uh, a placement abroad <clears throat> in any country but of course the people that came into the lecture theatre showcasing these placements were charging thousands of pounds and out of like the 150 nurses sitting there really a handful went because no one could afford it even though 150 people turned mm. up because they really wanted to make it work mm. So I, I just did a lot of research, some big gambles and went to um, Malawi and did um, my nursing placement there and dragged a few other people along with me. Some very brave people came with me. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's then when I was meeting more charities on the ground who were all looking for support and then more people were telling me from back home, oh, I wish I'd come or could you help me arrange a placement? I thought, OK, here, this is really happening now. So it was actually just as I was qualifying as a nurse that it really started to Wow. So those people were your guinea pigs those first ones where you kind of proved that it was possible that you could do this yeah and one of them um who came with me she's now a trustee on the charity that we went with that I went to first of all and she goes she spends half her year in Malawi and half her, her year here and she does amazing work so we'll probably get on to it but that's the beautiful thing about volunteering is 
not everyone can, of course, um, uproot and change their lives. But some people, it's so impactful that they changed the course of their life because of it. Mm. Holly, just interesting going going back. I mean, you said earlier, you know, I wish I could help with that situation and, and this kind of propensity to kind of help others. I'm just wondering, is there something from kind of your earlier years that kind of made almost you can look back on that now and say, oh, that kind of triggered why I've gone on to do what I what I do was there anything there do you think I think so um I I do I, I'd say it's definitely um largely from my mum um like a lot of people it's their parents and my mum we fostered as a family from when I was 11 I think I was when we got our first um my first foster siblings um and yeah we did that for years and so I had constantly other children living in our home and mum was always so kind to them and we had these really terrible stories of some other placements well we were always their minimum like 25th home or something we were um specialized in some long-term um care with teenagers at that time we would of course we'd take them on the holidays with us they were part of the family you know when they were with us uh, for however long that might be yeah we just had some difficult stories so I think I was exposed quite young to other ways that people are brought up and live and and the kindness of my mum and she's always doing things for other people constantly and if I called her now she'll be doing something for someone else I guarantee it <laughs> and so that's was that she was my role model of course and um and I remember thinking after the tsunami I thought gosh that's the kind of work I want to, I want to get into humanitarian work but I had absolutely no role model and no I didn't know one person that worked in the charity sector so I found it really difficult and I approached like a local charity and I spoke to someone and um yeah he just didn't know where to send me or what to do and he said oh, you've got, clearly got such a passion you want to help it's great but I, there's just I don't have any guidance so I think that that my journey there halted because if I'd had a role model I probably could have done things a bit sooner um but yeah as I said I didn't, didn't have anyone in my network that did this kind of work mm. okay and now and you're a mum yourself this past year yeah. so you're kind of passing that forward and being that role model yourself how have you found that this past year to try and volunteer on, as well as being a mum and run things yeah um actually I have to say it's I don't know, every, every mother on the, in the world's going to kill me it's been easier than everyone said it's so hard and it's the hardest thing in the world and I absolutely it can be because I've also had an easy baby and I've had tons of support so that is key I anyone that said can I help you every time I have said yes I've never declined help ever so that's why I think it's been so easy well not easy but easier than I had anticipated and I was really expecting oh, just the worst time. And because it wasn't the worst time, it's that difficult. I was like, oh, this is actually a bit better than I thought it would be. And I think starting your own charity, it consumes your whole life. I never had a nine to five job, you know, leading up to this. And so I was fully used to all hours, people always needing answers from you or something from you. And I think it was training to be a parent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually started calling my maternity leave. Sometimes I do Freudian slips and call it a holiday. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Not that's what other people usually do isn't it that's the mistake other people make no you're not meant to make that mistake yourself and say that no yeah. it's funny and um no I I think um yeah as I say it was it was difficult but it was a really nice change and it was honestly the best thing that's happened to the charity because I was so overworking and I did that awful thing that despite what we preach as an organization I rarely took 
any time off because I it was so hard every time I thought right I can do it next week something would happen and I couldn't and uh and and having a baby was forced annually (laughs) so it was really like an amazing thing for the charity and for me Mm. so tell us about that time Holly having the idea realizing that there's so many kind of commercial entities out there I I mean I remember them you the the type of organizations that you're talking about and I'm sure they still exist today you know having been to university you know I we we chose to do our gap year just traveling didn't want to didn't necessarily think about kind of going and volunteering anywhere but I remember other friends did and and I remember the time like these costs associated with it and I was like how are you going to afford that and I could only about afford three grand to go and try and travel and work and stuff so it was out of the question for me, but I'm just interested in how does the idea of saying that there's something wrong here then work out to actually founding a charity, people coming on board, you start placing people, you get these relationships, and I'm sure it starts kind of just keeps going, keeps going. What were those early days like when you actually realised that you were onto something here, that you had an audience of people that wanted to go to places, you had charities that were crying out for amazing volunteers what was that time like for you? Yeah, I think I I felt like maybe I was a bit deluded at the beginning, but I felt like I was onto something from the beginning just because of how people responded mm. every time I spoke to them. It, there was such genuine, oh my, like from the volunteer side, people uh, who wanted to volunteer, oh gosh, I so wish I'd known about this earlier or these types of responses or wish this existed earlier. And from the charity side, yeah, there was, they were so keen to get uh, involved with Indigo. And even now we get, we've got about almost 30 charities on our waiting list. Like we can't, we, we don't have capacity to take them on right now. Mm. There's a, really a need for, for this service. And it's really difficult. People ask me, when did Indigo start? And because I feel like sometimes it's such a slow process because you have the idea. And then I did my nursing placement. I find it difficult to pinpoint exactly when it's, the, the date it started so in that sense I feel like it was a bit slow and I was also nursing and there were two I suppose key moments one where I had to go from full-time nursing to part-time because I knew I had to set this up as a charity and of course anyone that's been involved in any startups or the beginning phases of a project knows the work involved so um I couldn't do it alongside all my shift work so first of all I went I went part-time and then the next stage was when I left nursing I mean I still I still have my registration but I left uh, part-time work it was all then bank work which random shifts whenever I could fit them in yeah and I went full-time at the charity uh, and I had to you know because of the finances and things I had to move home with my mom <laughs> and do the classic thing that people do when they're at the beginning phases of a project like this um, and then I would do some field trips so I actually um I, I had a, a previous partner um, and then when we got married our honeymoon was work like as a field trip just to to meet more charities and and grow grow that network it just went from there and then everything happened with the refugee crisis mm. and then that's when things really kind of exploded a, a lot more and, and it got incredibly fast paced but that was the beginning phases we just every, every moment I had we would go on a, we would do a field trip somewhere to meet charities and onboard them and then try and go to places in the UK to recruit volunteers. Oh, I've got kind of two questions. One, do people think there's a catch? So when you come to them and talk to them, do they think, when when am I going to have to pay my three grand? Or how is this, how is this not the same as every other company that I've dealt with? 
maybe that we'll stick with that as the question for the moment yeah and I, I think it's a simple answer because we just we that's we try and make that so clear in our messaging and, and of course this is why we're different there is no catch we don't charge anything and I don't know whether some people don't apply because they don't trust it I, I suppose we never know that side of things, but people do apply and we place people so there are some yeah. people who trust that yeah yeah okay and the second question was a bit around that kind of the workaholic side of you you're dealing with such massive issues you talk about you know the migrant crisis at the moment it must be really difficult to stop and like you say you went on honeymoons where you were on field trips and then you go away and see that it must be really tough to take time off and to stop at half past five on a Wednesday afternoon and say okay I've done my bit for the day that must be really hard it's so so difficult but the the wonderful thing coming back from maternity leave and I'm now I started on 24 hours and now I'm on 30 and um, because that just also that wasn't quite possible <laughs> so I was just then working way more hours but I really try and stick with 30 hours as much as I can and before I mean you know whatever I don't 60 70 80 hours uh, so it's a real difference and I'm it's because I'm forced to and I don't know if I'm less effective you know that everyone says that the four-day work week and mm forcing you like I I bosh out emails now yeah in double the speed because I have to and there there is a part of it yeah because I'm forced into this situation and it and it really works I, it I'm really happy with them um, with working less hours and it's almost been a forced experiment and now I'm like oh, okay no, that actually works you can do 30 hours and still achieve a whole lot in your week yeah. Yeah. Is there a, is there a point there which I think James is trying to get to is is being the founder of a charity that you know your your passion for it so comes across you you spoke about the kind of history your your mother and kind of your background and your DNA almost is to try and help people you identified a problem that there wasn't anywhere people could go you you've been and volunteered yourselves you've been out on field trips but the issues that you're challenging as an organisation or the issues that you're supporting are so huge and vast. Is there any time that you ever feel like I'm not doing it enough? Every minute of every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's the question. Like, how do you, yeah. in, in the 30 hours, because this is one of the, and, and we're not just asking this of you. I think, you know, there are a lot of people that we've spoke to and, and James and I have been working in the charity sector for quite a while. And it's a big problem that the charity sector has, right? Is that people are so passionate and so driven by the cause that they're working for. But the, 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 the cause is so big and much bigger than them as an individual that actually sometimes that balance of the cause and actually one's own well-being can clash. And just wondering if that's if that's been a problem for you and if it hasn't, how you've managed to kind of keep that line. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I, it's such a great question because I, I think I've just seen dozens and dozens of people just burn out around me in, you know, having been in the field for, for many years. Mm. I think what helps me is that although we do obviously visit um, our partners, our charity partners, and we we sometimes do days with them, I am that one step back in my role that mm. I'm overseeing an organisation. So I'm not every day bombarded uh, with these really difficult stories every minute of every day. Which when you're you know if you are going around a camp and giving up food or sleeping bags or whatever you're seeing things all the time so I think that has really helped me as far as I'm aware maybe other people around me might uh, disagree I haven't had a burnout and I that's kind of really unusual for being in the field for that that long Mm. but I think it's because my role is that one step 
back a lot of the time. Mm. But yeah, it's really overwhelming. I mean, March didn't basically exist for me. I woke from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, I was working and all I could think about was, of course, all the people from Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's never ending. It's just never ending. And it's the thing thing with refugee refugee crisis and the refugee situation globally is it's not set to get better there's mm. it's not like hey in 2025 it's really likely to be resolved and, and everything here I would love that I'd love for us to not have a place here but it's from my understanding it's only set to you know get worse yeah. actually so yeah. It's like, how do we prepare? How do how do we prepare for that? Um, and I feel really privileged that we've been able to be involved at such an early early ish phase. You know, we've been, we've been working since um, yeah twenty sixteen in the European refugee uh, crisis. And so I think as things evolve over time, we will have already gained so much knowledge and experience, and, and can apply them to other areas if needed. Yeah, um, just going back briefly. Kenneth loves it when someone says great question. He really loves that. <laughs> he, he, he struggled, but he, I can see the little smile. Jimbo is off at the bar, which makes a change, and means I can tell you about the website, domoregood.uk. There you'll find profiles, blog posts, previous episodes, and a link to the newsletter if you fancy some VIP content in your inbox. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at domoregoodpod, plus you can find us on LinkedIn. We've even started a TikTok. Anyway, he's on his way back. Hang on a minute. Are they shandies? Just over the, the last couple of years, have you seen certainly like the Ukraine crisis? Loads of people near me were really keen to help. They wanted to do something. They were um, really passionate about but having some kind of impact. Um, do you see spikes around that when there's when there's big issues happening in the news? I, mean, I feel that people are inherently good and they want to support each other. When big things happened, you, re- you referenced the tsunami previously as well. Do you see spikes around that, that maybe that's come through in the past couple of years with us helping our neighbours and more of a community feel? And the Ellie Bank Road WhatsApp group has gone mad over the past couple of years about people looking out for each other. Have you seen that increase over the past couple of years, maybe? May I say that was an excellent question as well? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be fair. I want to be fair. Um, yeah, there's generally a pattern that happens and it's, people are so involved at the beginning and and passionate and want to help and unfortunately as things die down in the news energy you know you'll move on to the next story and of course you remember it was only what yeah end of February where for weeks it was the whole situation was headline news and it's all anyone spoke about and now I went to Poland uh, two weeks ago and I was so surprised at the lack of funding already from wow. the groups I was meeting, like really in need of funding, really in need of donations. It, it's actually happened a lot quicker than I had expected because of course it, you can't have high energy all the time as a, as a collective, you know. <laughs> okay, I apparently maybe can, but no, as a, as a group, it's, it's difficult to maintain that all the time. So actually when people were emailing me out because my inbox got flooded, I actually said to them, please can you whatever you want to do can you hold on to it and come back to this in a couple of months when when things have died down because yeah, we're not okay. a steady stream not an absolute crazy influx mm. um the response in in Poland where I was I mean it's been phenomenal like the the local response is as we've all seen on you know social media and things 
helping uh, Ukrainian refugees. The same in Greece to start with um, also, but there's only so long that people can give their time and resources. And, you know, Greece is struggling itself, has been struggling, Poland is struggling, um, and government changes, like in, in at the, at the 1st of July, they've stopped giving a daily allowance, which is only, I think, nine euros, if I'm uh, not mistaken, to Ukrainians a day. I mean, it's, it's not much at all, but that's stopped. So that means that there's going to be a new set of challenges with regards to even basic things like food. Polish people are already struggling with the housing prices have like doubled, I think, in the last um, few months. So, yeah, as situation changes, as, as political decisions are made, there's always a wave. There's peaks and troughs all the time. Um, and I think just answering, trying to answer your question, overall, I do think there's been an increase in action from people generally because it's it's just more the norm to do now like volunteering and helping out is yeah. more norm than from our parents generation for example yeah yeah that does answer the question I, yeah. I, I, I get that feeling but it's good it's good to know that you, you see that as well yeah so holly tell us about the the, the funding side of things i mean we we know from the conversations uh, that we've had with with charity founders and people who've founded charities like yourself that actually having that idea getting them something going you've got that kind of like what you've just talked about you get you have that initial spike of everyone going oh yeah I'll help you with that it's a great project it's a great idea I can help I can do this I can do that and then three six months in and you're like a few of those people probably disappear and you're like okay how do I make this sustainable how do I grow this year after year how do I have more impact how have you found that experience as a charity founder and, and CEO four years in you're still having conversations on a Tuesday night with Kenneth Foreman <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I actually think that um I don't have a natural skill set at all in planning and strategy and things so I've really struggled in this front I, I make a conscious effort and I've I've learned a lot over the years so I'm probably average at it now but I've surrounded myself with a team and that's the key thing like for my role it's what skills um, are missing and what do we need as a, as a who do we need to bring in to so the charity can excel and and grow and move forward and keep up with the times and so on so I would say that's one of the, the key things I've been doing and yeah I've had to make a few like personal kind of compromises and things financially and because I just haven't thought it through I just haven't thought hmm, in three months how we I've just gone yeah we'll do it and we'll make it work and I think there's a, a lot to say about where there's a will there's a way mm-hmm. and so far I can't believe that this many years later we're still going I mean I don't even as I said it's difficult to pin pinpoint it but we registered in 2014 so yeah it's been like at least eight years since we registered with the charity commission and we're still going and I have no idea how <laughs> but we are and we're managing to pay people and but oh they there are many hairy times I mean it's mm. it's usually quite hairy in terms of the financing of, of everything <laughs> last year we got this incredible new board in place and mm. like super crazy professional great humans and so things have really really improved having their support and guidance and one of the things that we've been focusing on is of course sustainability and we've had this fundraising consultant join us earlier this year and she's focusing on getting some longer term grants and trusts in in place so we can start planning Mm. you know so rather than just thinking okay we're okay for six or eight months it's like well what if we actually have a project and we we 
we want to look 12 months ahead or mm. 24 months ahead and we've never had that luxury but hopefully we will soon <laughs> just wondered, wondered as a kind of follow-up to that last question has that been quite difficult for you holly in terms of going again kind of that founder's journey of getting it going and then going actually I don't I might not have the skills to actually get us to where we need to be or you know I know we spoke and I'm sure you won't mind me mentioning when you said oh is this going to be a fundraising podcast because that really you know that isn't necessarily my speciality and which is absolutely fine but I think it's a I think it's a really interesting topic when people are kind of thinking might have great ideas that you don't have to be everything people can't be everything you can't be the charity founder with the, with the passion and the, and the energy to kind of get things going and mobilize a, a community as well as the person who goes right five years strategy long term how are we going to fund this has that been a difficult process for you or have you been quite open to say okay I, this isn't my area I'm, we need to bring in other people and I'm just wondering about that psychological the yeah. psychology behind that process I am so open to help. I love help. And I'm, I love it when someone says, right, this is my skill set. I can help you with this. I, I say I say yes to almost everything. It's been really good to learn about myself and over the years and what makes me good at some things and bad at others. And one of the things, like I'm really, I don't think things through. I'm a real high risk taker and I'm really impulsive, which is really great at certain stages like the initial stages of something like indigo wouldn't exist if I didn't if I had really planned and thought mm, is this, do I want my life to look like this or this you know I probably would have thought mm, best not take the risk you know but then you need all these other skill sets to come in and I think that's where right now our team really complement each other that one of the the board members is is mentoring me and he was saying something about I can't I, I can't remember the exact terminology but it's something like starter completer and I kept I was saying to him each time we have a session I go to him with like a thing that's really bothering me about my professional development and I said to him it really bugs me that I find it so incredibly difficult to finish anything it could be so simple like finish an email finish I mean I've got I'm not even lying like over 80 tabs open on my I can't seem to like shut things down or finish anything which would probably make some people like nauseous just even thinking about that so then then he said don't try and change that about you like mm. what you need to do is surround yourself with completers which is what we've got in the team so I have an idea or something and then the team really makes it happen and finishes it and so now if I'm really struggling with something I can just ask them and they'll they'll complete it so it's just it's really good to know yourself a, a bit more mm. but yeah I basically I, I accept help 100% like it's it's the foundation of what you do right it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, accepting help is what you help to provide to other people. Yeah. So be hypocritical if I was like, <laughs> no. Uh, where do you see it going? Hmm. Well, where do you want it to go? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I, I struggle to see tomorrow. So like, thank God I have had a lot of sessions with the team. And when, when I start having these conversations, all my, my ideas come out. And so I put them on paper now. And so we've got an actual strategy in place. We want to... to be able to support more more projects as I said we've got like over 30 charities or something on our waiting list at the moment we want to be able to get to those we want to be able to share with more people about well what we do so they can use our services because often the feedback is oh, I wish I'd wish I'd known about you guys sooner yeah. how do you do how do you do that Holly actually I think that's an interesting point right because you there's this 
as James alluded to, I think there's, it feels like there's a society has had a little bit of a switch in terms of people wanting to help. And I think you, you mentioned it as well, but people not knowing where to go as a, as a, as a consumer brand effectively that can actually offer people an opportunity to, to volunteer. How do you at the moment go about getting the name of Indigo volunteering out there? How, how does, how does that work and what, what could you do? What do you need to do more of, do you think? More talks and panel discussions and podcasts. And, and that's what I'm just starting. So like I, I was doing some talks sporadically whenever I got a moment. But when I was in Greece, like it, I just found it so difficult to even think about that side of things. Mm. And I think that's really important that people really hear the story and hopefully been inspired by the work that Indigo is doing and knows them what to do and we've been so reliant on volunteers and um, so we've had so much volunteer support with like marketing for example but that's not always great when I want to share with so many people what we're doing but if you've got someone that's volunteering two hours a week on top of their job you can't really get uh, very far marketing wise so mm -hmm. finally we've recently been able to pay for a part-time marketing uh, manager which has been really 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 great and partnering with um, an amazing marketing company called The Tree that are um, they've just produced this great video for us. And so, yeah, we're, we're on the journey still. We're at, I think really the beginning stages of the potential that we have. And mm. I'm really excited about what this marketing company are gonna work on with us. It reminds me of we in our episode, previous episode to this, we interviewed a guy called uh, Dr. Ewan Kirk and he ran a company and he said his long-term strategy was not to go bust next week. But that was, and it feels like you just make the right steps every week. You just take that next step forward, and it feels like you're on that on that journey as well. Yeah, and and I think I can just see us being so useful. So like feedback I've got from people that have been to like after I mentioned the tsunami after a natural disaster, it's just complete chaos, and people go out and it's pandemonium. Like it, everyone is everywhere, and that's kind of what happened in northern Greece when I was based there in 2016 when I first went volunteers were just turning up and there were there were carpenters that were sent to teach in a school because that's the first person they met and there were teachers that were working in the warehouse and you know people were all in in the wrong places and so part of my role was just to to find out from our partners their, the skills they needed and send the right volunteers to them and and basically organize it a bit better so I also see a huge role for Indigo potentially in that area I'm thinking obviously longer term and bigger picture like if there's something you know natural disaster that happens helping with the coordination of support because of so many groups they go and they give the support they give the food they they give the shelter and so on which is fantastic but if you don't have any infrastructure and people working behind the scenes it's it is chaos mm. so that's one of the main things we try and do yeah <clears throat> I'm gonna ask you a probably a quite difficult question if there's someone listening to this and they've got they've had an idea of a charity or a cause that they're super passionate about as passionate as you speak about your cause what advice would you give them about kind of starting a charity perhaps having been through the journey that you have yeah I actually get people ask me so I my answer to them is the first thing I say is is there anyone doing anything already like it because a couple of times I have spoken to people that just want the charity because they they want it in their name which isn't the healthiest reason to start a charity. There's obviously got to be a need and a gap. I would say, is there someone doing something similar that you can tag onto or become a branch of? Because setting up a charity is 
so it takes so much time and admin that you'd save a year just joining something that already exists and obviously have access potentially to funding and things if it if not then uh yeah I wish there were I, I wish there was a handbook maybe there is one and I don't know about it but I was really looking for one when I was starting in because I was like, what's the checklist and I think, I mean, I'd happily just write five, actually, that's what I, I do. I write five or 10 bullet points of, of things to do. Like, uh, first of all, is there a gap? What's your mission? What's your purpose? So on. Get a great board of trustees. Like, yeah. that is so key. Yeah, and some some tips like that that I would, I would say. That sounds good. Look, I think, Holly, we're going to, I know you've got probably a small child somewhere at, at Granny's. Did you say she, she, he is? Yeah, I jumped in at, at Granny's. So um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want him like making noises in the background. So he's in another house. So it's okay. oh, he's, he's welcome next time. He can certainly, he'll probably bring a bit more personality to it than James will. Um, but yeah, um, Holly, thank you so much. I think it's, it's amazing, like, just hearing you talk about it it was when we got the email about what you were doing it just sounded like you've spotted a real entrepreneurial spirit in terms of what you're doing and you know if we can help in any way hopefully you know putting this podcast out if there's anyone listening that's interested in either volunteering or can offer some support from a fundraising perspective you know I'm sure where, where would where would they point someone to who's maybe interested in what you've spoken to spoken about today yeah, um, of course, our website for more information, indigovolunteers.org, and we're on Instagram and Facebook and uh, info at indigovolunteers.org. And one thing I need to mention, because I can't believe I haven't said it yet, is one of the things, as well as volunteer placements we do, we actually support volunteers, like, through the journey. So we help them get, like, access to pro bono um, therapy uh, sessions and also help with training and I would really kick myself if I didn't mention that in terms of sustainability and support to organizations that that's a really big part of what we do as well no, you know what I was actually going to mention that earlier because I noticed looking through your website I was like wow this sounds like it really like I was reading through the FAQs and about the questions and about people's well-being individually and it was kind of yeah I would recommend anyone who's even considering it to, to kind of take a look because yeah I was I noticed that you kind of provide support and there's courses that people can take about thinking about what they might experience and what they might see. So yeah, it looks absolutely brilliant. Holly, we're not going to let you go. With all our guests, we have three questions that we add into the end of a podcast. Jimbo, do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, over to me. Uh, if you could transport back in time, Holly, and meet your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give and why? Oh, oh my goodness gracious me. Oh, that is a really tough question. Part of me is hesitating because I feel like everything that I've done has got me to where I am so I'm worried about changing the path yeah, or anything yeah. else yeah that part, so I'm hesitating because I don't know if I'd want to change history I'm so grateful for every year I've had I think nothing out of the ordinary you know just be comfortable with with you you carry on you crack on I'm really happy with my 20 year old self and 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 afterwards so I think um yeah, as I say, the life lessons I've had is because of who I am, who I was then. So. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a great, yeah. That is a yeah. great answer. Yeah. Okay, can you tell us about one life hack or a productivity tool or a habit or a skill or something that you've taught yourself recently that you think everybody needs to know about? <laughs> I, am, I, am, <laughs> I need these tips. Like I am so... There's 96 episodes worth of these tips. Gonna... Just uh, dmorgood.co. <laughs> This is so basic. It's embarrassing that I have to say this. I yeah. I've started giving myself five ten minutes before the, a meeting, which I'm sure every normal human does. But 
I normally turn up like on the minute or a minute after and I hate it. I hate that about myself. I have this really optimistic vision of time and I'm like, oh, I've got 10 minutes. I can make dinner and have a coffee and have a shower before then. And I do all those things. And it's literally what I did before this podcast. I had 29 minutes. It's like I can wash my hair and have dinner and I did it. And I was rushing around like an idiot. So yeah, I've, I'm forcing myself to have five minutes before so I A, turn up on time and B, can get in the headspace of what's about to happen. Nice. Yeah. Great. Uh, final question for you then. Uh, as a podcast that is focused around people doing more good, what is your favourite story or inspiring individual you have met on your journey or perhaps recently who has done something good for others? Mm. Oh, I mean, of course, like I see it every single day in, in my work. There's, of course, a lot of, of refugees from the Middle East uh, area. And so when I've been in refugee camps uh, before, I have just been so overwhelmed with their hospitality and generosity. And, you know, there's families living in tents who have had to leave everything. You can see in their tent what they've got. That's everything that they have. And still they will invite you in and give you uh, an orange juice carton, which is, you know, a tiny part of the, the, the rations they get are so small and they're still giving you something so significant that they can't easily go and buy themselves. Um, so I think I'm, I think I just see these acts all the time and I'm inspired by them all the time. And sometimes I, I find myself in a situation where I think, oh gosh, someone's come around unexpectedly I don't I, I've got to rush around I don't have time or da, 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 da. and I think oh my gosh Holly think of the times you've been in these camps and how people have treated you and I really feel inspired by that and I and I try and take that on and that's like yeah wonderful acts every day in, in everyday life basically mm. nice that's a lovely uh lovely story to to end it on Holly thank you so much for your time been really incredible to to hear about your story we wish you lots of luck for the for the future and you know as we say hopefully someone will hear this and get in touch about volunteering or, or share it out there and yeah I'm sure you'll go on to continue for many years to come is there any any kind of final things that you want to leave us with or I just want to thank you both for a one I cannot believe how fast the time has flown I've had such a fun time thank you both so much and we will of course stay in touch it's been wonderful James any final thoughts throughout this I've thought about the fostering the nursing the personal sacrifices the optimism that you show the, the, the fact you think about the bigger picture and the impact of your work on the societies that you're going into the commitment to it the passion and the fact that you've smiled your way through the past out you're exactly the kind of guest that we set this up today it's been wonderful thank you thanks so much <laughs> perfect we'll end it there take care guys cheers thank you just before we go can we ask a favor if you've enjoyed this episode and you've made it this far after all and you want to help us reach more people and attract more guests then we'd love a review on itunes alternatively if you haven't got anything nice to say then say it in an email get in touch at contact at domoregood.uk and let us know how we can improve the show we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another story of someone doing more good